Oh, the Lord worked it out. Amen. Amen. We got a lot going on here because, as you know, uh, we are talking about the blueprint. Is that not right? Yeah. yeah and when you're teaching on the sanctuary, you, you need some props. You need some stuff. And so I got the board up here. I got stuff on the screen. I don't, I don't even know. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I have my remote and all this stuff. I got a lot going on simply because we want you to see what we are saying. First of all, I'd like to make sure at this time that the ushers put in your hands the handout for today. Uh, it's important that when we have these kinds of studies, Bible studies, how many thank God for Bible studies? Amen. Amen. Uh, I, listen, I love a good preach too, man. I, I mean, I, man, you can't find anybody that loves a good preach like I do. Uh, for somebody to just, just go for it. Amen. And then when it's over, you just feel good about it. Amen. And then somebody asks you, man, what, what was the word about? I don't know. <laughs> it don't even matter. It was just good. Amen. Yeah. Many of us don't say that. But the truth of the matter is, is uh, they say it takes 72 hours, 72 hours for you to absolutely positively forget on an impact level what you have heard. And so recognizing that, that's why it's important for us. I don't know about you. I was not the smartest person in school, but I would sit in the front and I would take notes. And I had one teacher tell me, he said, if you sit in the front, take notes, you'll pass my class. And uh, Dr. Barham from Oakwood. I got some of my friends here from Mount Vernon who came up. Uh, Brother Wilcox and uh, Mike Smith. Where's Mike? These are Oakwoodites that I was in school with. God bless you. These brothers. It's his birthday today. So we praise God for him. They, are, uh, they serve at Mount Vernon. Well, you guys, Dean and Chaplin. What is it? Is it Deans? Praise God. And so they're in, they're in it with the brothers at the dorm. And so they said, this is our weekend off. This is the weekend off? Oh, praise God. The brothers got a weekend off. And so they're here with us. So we thank God for them being here, those old classmates of mine. And uh, it's just a blessing. So uh, understand, so these handouts today are crucial for you to be able to follow what I'm doing. Don't tell me, don't, don't say I was boring and you couldn't follow me if you didn't take notes. That's your fault. I ain't getting nothing out of the word today. If you take notes today, if you follow these little handouts, these fill in the blanks, then you will absolutely positively get something. You're going to get something. Somebody say something. something. Yeah, you're going to get something today. So I'm going to try to go up a little higher and try to see how we can work this out today. Amen. Don't 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 bother yourself by standing. Just stay right where you are. And we're going to we're going to go into the word. The sound is acting a little funny. So uh, we'll, we'll work on that some other time, Michelle. Uh, we um, we we are happy for our young people today. Some of them. I look like I see a whole bunch of them up on the top right side. So if they promise me that they'll behave today, I promise I won't call them out. Amen. But they, uh, some of the young people, and Pastor Coxon went to Youth Federation down in Toledo. And so um, somebody asked me, how come you're not at Youth Federation? Because we have Pastor Coxon. <laughs> Both of us don't need to be gone. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, go on down, Doc. We got you. We're going to hold it down until you get back. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's uh, let's prepare to go right into God's word. I want to invite you once you get your handout. How many got your handout? Say, I got it. I got it. And for real, for real, for real, you kind of going to like kind of like need to have that so that you can be able to follow this series. And I shared with you before. I mean, the study on the sanctuary is it's let me let me throw it like this. Salvation is complicated for God, but it's simple for us. What I mean by complicated or complex, it took a whole lot for God to save you. Understand that. Don't take that lightly. 
It wasn't just a, a, a wiping of blood. He just got on the cross and take that for granted. Understand now, God left heaven and died. Straight up. But the responsibility on our part, you'll, you'll discover today, is very simple. So the study, some people like studying the sanctuary because it's so complex and they like to be deep. You know, <laughs> you know, understand now, there is not much meaning. And, and if you'll discover in scripture, I, one of the things I'm not going to do is I'm not going to try to shoot over your head and I'm not trying to shoot under you. I want to stay right in the middle because there are some people who have never heard this before and they need to understand it where they can get it. Come on, say amen. I got some young people in the house today and we're not trying to get so deep that they don't know what we're talking about. Essentially, this is a simple message. Very simple. Very simple message. And by the grace of God, we're going to help you out with that today. Would you say amen? All right, get your Bibles out and, and prepare now to go with me to Exodus, the 27th chapter and uh, verses one through eight. Then after that, just so my media team can follow me, we'll go to Leviticus chapter one and then we'll go to Leviticus five. Then we'll end at Galatians 2.20. Those will be our preparatory readings for the word today. And if you need a handout, just wave your hand in the air and, and wave it like you just don't care. Do you, do you need one? I got some folk in the balcony. Everybody up in the balcony look like they have their hand up. And so they, they go, you got, you're going up there? You're making some. Oh, okay. All right. I'm gonna slow. I'm gonna slow down a little bit. They got. I want them to have this thing. I don't want the balcony folk to feel left out. We love y'all up there. Amen. Yes, indeed. So we got enough scripture to read. So by the time that that they are done, we'll be ready to pass it out. Amen. All right. Let's go to Exodus chapter 27. I'm excited about today's word today. I believe that the Lord has given me something, and uh, I believe it's gonna help somebody. Very simple word. I'm gonna shout today, so I'm letting y'all know in advance. I'm gonna shout. Yes, indeed. Uh, and I, I, can't, I don't know how to shout like that, Monica. So I mean, if you even took me there, I wouldn't even know what to do. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, I just know how to jump up and down. And it's not on rhythm, but I just get excited about it. Amen. Exodus 27 verses one. The Bible says in the New International Version. Uh, are y'all with me? All right, let's go. The Bible says build an altar. All right. Are you with me? Of acacia wood. Three cubits high, it is to be square. Five cubits long, five cubits wide. This ain't the stuff you go looking for when you go do Bible study. Make a horn at each of the four corners so that the horns and the altar are of one piece. Very specific, amen? And overlay the altar with bronze. Verse three, make all its utensils of bronze. God is so detailed. It's pots, Lord have mercy. The pots, y'all, the pots to remove the ashes and its shovels, sprinkling bowls, meat, forks, no Tupperware in biblical days. I want it bronze, God said, and fire pans. Verse four, make a grating for it. Some similar like a grill, if you please. Uh, the scripture says a bronze network and make a bronze ring at each of the four corners of the network. Verse five, put it under the ledge of the what? Come on, talk to me of the what, everybody? Of the altar, so that it is halfway up the altar. Yeah, yeah. Verse six: Make poles of acacia wood for the altar, and overlay them with bronze. Uh, verse seven: The poles are to be inserted into the rings, so that they will be on two sides of the altar when it is carried. Verse eight: Make the altar hollow. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Are you serious? Yes. Make it hollow. Why? Because I said so. Out of boards. 
It is to be made just. Ah, there, ah stay right there. It is, what does the scripture say, everybody? It's on the screen. It is to be made just as you were shown on the mountain. Would you say amen? amen? So far, we see that we have a very detailed God. Would you say amen? amen. Homeboy is so detailed. He was like, man, I want the bowls. I want the bowls to match the altar. And I want the altar to be a certain size. He didn't just say build an altar. He said, do it this way. Ah, I love God. Now, go to Leviticus 1. Go to Leviticus 1. What actually happened on the altar? Leviticus chapter 1. Not typically the book you read for devotion, but we're going we're gonna to work with it anyway. Uh, Leviticus is basically the training manual for the Levites. It's the training manual for the Levites. What is Leviticus, everybody? For the Levites. This is where the Levites figured out how to do their job. And so God said, I need to put this in the Bible because I got some Levites in 2012 that need to know how to do their job. The Bible says in verse one of Leviticus one, the Lord, the Lord, make sure I'm on the right text. Yes. The Lord said to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when any of you, when who, everybody, any of you, by the way, let me just parenthetically say this. In my research for the sanctuary, somebody, I don't know who it was, somebody told me that only a man could bring a sacrifice, and if somebody sent a man to bring for his family. Well, that's not biblical. The Bible says, understand this now, I want you to get the picture. I really want you to practically see today what transpired with the tabernacle. No matter who you were, male or female, if you sin, the Bible says anyone, even to the extent, we don't have time to read this today, if a woman got pregnant and had a baby and she had a boy, 33 days later, the Bible says, she was to take, she was to take herself to the temple and offer a sacrifice for the boy. If she had a girl, she had to wait 66 days later. Now, I don't, I don't know why, but I could, I mean, I mean, women just, things just take longer. Come on, say that. <laughs> some, some, some good-hearted lady laughed at me. Ah, oh, that's not in the Bible, y'all. Don't worry about it. And so, uh, and so God was so specific, uh, and, and, and one scholar suggested that with all the people, and I'm going to get to this later in my message, with all the people living in the camp of Israel, there was an average of 137 births a day, which means that there was likely almost about 200 dedications and sacrifices off, offered a day. There's a lot going on in this small little structure that we're going to see momentarily. Scripture goes on and says, when any one of you, any one, Anybody, any one of you uh, brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or the flock. Verse three, if the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he is to offer a male without defect. Very specific, is he not? Then the scripture says he must present it at the entrance. Ah, now this is another phrase for the altar. Another phrase for what, everybody? He must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Now, watch this, y'all, so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. Verse four, he is now oh, look at look, I want you to picture this thing now. Imagine yourself in the camp and you sin. And this is what you had to do. The Bible says he is to lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering. And it will be accepted on his behalf to make at one mint atonement for him. Then the Bible says in verse five, he is to slaughter. Uh, the word slaughter literally gives the picture not of a wrestling match with an animal 
or with a turtle dove, but the Bible basically gives them a knife to slit the throat of a sack. It was not the priest's job to slit the throat. They themselves had to slaughter the sacrifice. Ooh. Mercy. He is to slaughter the young bull. Now, right now, we're talking about personal responsibility. Lay your hand on there, you'll be accepted. Then slaughter that thing, slaughter the young bull before the Lord, and then, and then, you see that? Everybody see up? And then, and then, that was not the priest, and then Aaron, sons, the priest shall bring the blood and sprinkle it against the altar on how many sides, everybody? All sides at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Verse 6, he is to skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. Verse 7, the sons of Aaron, the priests, are to put fire on the altar and arrange the wood on the, on the fire. Verse 8, then Aaron, are y'all still with me? Are you still with me? Then Are you still with me? Then Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, including the head and the fat, on the burn, burning wood that is on the altar. Verse 9, he is to wash the inner parts and the legs with water, and the priest is to burn all of it on the altar. And it is a burnt offering, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to God. Now, watch this. Let me say this very carefully. The way that a sacrifice became pleasing to God was when there was partnership with the sinner and the priest to see to it that his offering was accepted. In other words, you didn't just bring your sacrifice to the tabernacle and walk away. You had something that you had to do, albeit it was just minuscule. Uh, not to say minuscule in that it was unimportant, but it was just, and this is the word today. This is, oh, I can't wait to get to the end here. The, the responsibility of the sinner was simply to bring the sacrifice, to surrender the sacrifice. I got to say that again. The responsibility of the sinner was very simple. There were no works involved outside of bring the sacrifice and surrender it. That's it. All right. Did we not just see that now Galatians 2.20? Most of you can say this by heart. But for those of you who don't even know where Galatians is, it's after Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians and First Corinthians is after what? Romans. Amen. Romans in the New Testament, y'all. Listen, if you can't find Romans, I can't help you. Come on, say amen. No, nah, but it's in there somewhere. Table of contents works for me, too. So go ahead and find that table of contents and find the book of Galatians, uh, verse chapter two and verse 20. And I got to go because I got so much to say. Verse, 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 verse 20, verse 20 says, it says, let me start with verse 19, if you don't mind. Sorry, media team, I didn't mean to pull that on you. But verse 19 says, for, help me everybody, if it's on the screen and you can see it, help me read it. The Bible says, for the law, for, for, for through the law I died to the so that I might live for, hallelujah, verse 29, I, I mean, verse 20, rather, I have been crucified, whoa, 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 what? What, 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 what was that, it was what, what, ah, oh, oh, God, help me today, yeah, I, I went with him to the cross, and I no longer live, but Christ lives, in, oh, this is gospel today, this is the gospel, the life I live in the body, I live by faith. Ah, thank you, Jesus. 
Oh, God. okay, I'm done because I'm going, I'm going to get too, too, too ahead of myself to preach what I want to say so fast. All right, take out your handouts. Let's get into this right now. Uh, last week, we discovered that, that, that the sanctuary, and this is just a blueprint, if you please, the sanctuary, hear me, everybody, is, is God's method of teaching us his love language. And my wife was not here, and I got very free uh, with myself. And so since she is here today, hey, <laughs> man, somebody. But I told you how I wanted to love my wife the way I wanted to love her. Come on, say amen in here, fellas. <laughs> and the Lord began to show me, no, 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 no. When you, listen, y'all, when you love folk the way you want to love them, basically what you're doing is you're loving yourself. Well, if you just, I mean, if you can't take my love the way I'm giving it, then it's just I'm not going to give it. No, you selfish. And you don't want to change. You're too comfortable doing what you've been doing. I want to talk about marriage so bad, but I got to stay right here. Understand for a minute, everybody, God is very specific. The Bible says, let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them according to the pattern that I have showed you. In other words, I want, I want to be with you. But if I'm going to be with you, you got to love me the way I tell you to love me. Amen. How many receive that word today? How many receive that? Okay, so, so we get that. Now, what God basically had to do for these slaves, he, and we make this thing too deep. Look at it practically. You got folks that had been in slavery for, for generations, 400 years. Their minds are steeped in Egyptian idolatry. That's why they got in slavery in the first place, because they were too busy worshiping everything else except God, right? And so now God realizes that just because somebody joins the church and you've pulled them out of mess doesn't mean that they're automatically delivered from everything. And, and neither should you expect them to be delivered from everything until your butt gets delivered from everything. Yes, you should. Yeah, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. Amen. And so God says, I, I, recognizing, oh, I'm so excited about this word, recognizing that, that, that these folk have been in this condition. I'm an understanding God. I'm a, I'm a patient God. I know what you've been through. I know your family life and your upbringing and the things that have happened to you. And I am, and when I look at your life, I don't look at the one decision, hallelujah, that you made that was not the right decision. But I take everything into consideration. And so God says, I brought you out of Egypt. Now that's the problem. Because if I told you to worship me, you wouldn't know how. If I told you to. You wouldn't know how. If I simply just said, worship me, you wouldn't know how. This is one of the reasons why God is teaching us something today. Before you, before you expect something from somebody, then you must first expect that you have taught them. All right, so, 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 so he gets them, and, and, and now, and now, and now, and now, and now, now he says, they, they got so much Egypt in them, although they're not in Egypt. Egypt is still in them. He says, so what I've got to do now, he says, I've got, uh, what should I do? I'm deep. I'm God. Uh, I, I, I know. Let, let them make me a sanctuary. Because yeah, yeah. I've got to, ooh, thank you, Jesus. I've got to be with them. Yeah. See, some of us are trying to get people to live a certain way, and you want to do it from a distance. Keep your mouth shut. Don't you talk about her again until you live with her. Come on, say amen. Till you get in her mess. Till you get in her life. Stop standing afar off looking at people saying, oh, they ain't right. They shouldn't be doing that. Oh, they're blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. 
Shut up. Now, kids, don't say that. But for the rest of you, shut up. Shut your mouth until you're willing to get in my mess. You got no right. God's example to us is, he says, they're steeped in idolatry. I know they're messed up, but I'm not going to stay up in heaven and tell them to live right. He says, I'm going to come down in the Shekinah glory. Let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. So first, get ready to write. There are eight key points we must understand if we're going to understand the sanctuary. Let me also say this. For those of you who are serious Bible students, which it should be all of you, when you understand the basic principles, which I'm going to share with you, of the sanctuary, then you can understand the Bible. Many of you don't even realize the book of John is written based on the flow of the sanctuary. Can I give you an example? When, when, in the beginning of John 1, 1, the Bible says that uh, uh, John declared, Lo, this is the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So he starts with a lamb. Then the Bible says in verse 14, the Bible says in verse 14, he says and, and talks of Christ. It says that Christ became one of one of us and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is the Greek word that suggests he became. Oh, now, 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 this is shouting stuff. That G, now I'm a pre- It says Jesus became, the word dwelt means he became a tent. He became a sanctuary. Can I just say something real quick? This ain't in my notes, but I got to throw this out here so you'll understand. See, in sanctuary days, everybody, and you'll see in a minute, this thing was, for all of y'all that's super in love with the sanctuary, I want to tell you right now. I love the teaching, but I'm glad we ain't in this no more. I'm glad we're not in that no more. And some of y'all are trying to take us back there. We're not in that anymore. Come on, say amen. This ain't the most holy place up here. And that's not the holy place. Oh, come on in here. If that were the case, every pregnant woman couldn't even be here. And if you're, if you're a man and you had sex with your wife last night, you couldn't be here either. You have to wait seven days. There were so many restrictions and so many rules. Understand, brothers and sisters, when we're talking about this thing here, it will help you to understand the whole Bible. The book of Revelation is designed around the sanctuary. You first see Jesus standing in the middle of the candlesticks. Amen? And then Jesus progresses from holy place to most holy place. Everything in the Bible is based around this because this is God's teaching tool. So let's go very quickly. Get ready to write. Uh, Number one, key points to remember. That God, that God, key points to remember about the sanctuary is that God might live with his people. That is the purpose of the sanctuary. Not to be deep. The purpose is that God would be with us. A permanent resident. Come on, say amen. Exodus 25 says, they let them make me a sanctuary and I will dwell among them. Would you say amen? Number two, it was to be built according to the blueprint. Blueprint. Right? Blueprint. In the space for number two, built now. If you're bored and you're like, I'm faster than bored, just start writing, and you might get into it. Amen. Somebody, text it, put it in your phone. Do not sit up there and say it is boring. You get in this thing, get hungry for the word. Number three, number three, number three. The tabernacle is God's school or classroom for salvation. This thing here was a teaching tool. It was school, y'all. It was more school than it was church. Okay, let's keep going now. Am I going too fast? All right, number four, uh, the blueprint, it is the blueprint for how God saves us and how we are to 
love or serve him, whichever one you want to use, is the blueprint for how God saves us and how we are to love him. Number five, there are three biblical sanctuaries according to scripture. Just quick review. There are three biblical sanctuaries according to the scriptures. Number one, the heavenly sanctuary. Heavenly, heavenly. The Bible says, make the sanctuary according to the blueprint. Hebrews 8, 5 says this. I got to read quickly. They serve at the sanctuary that is a copy. Somebody say copy. And shadow. Somebody shout shadow of what is in heaven. Now, let me just help somebody out here. The tabernacle on earth does not look like the tabernacle in heaven. As a matter of fact, if you study Revelation, there ain't no courtyard in heaven. There's no altar. You know why? Because he already went to the altar. And don't really believe that there's... Matter of fact, the Greek word for copy is the word shadow. So you see me physically right here, right? Now, I have a shadow somewhere around here. It's behind me. Now, how different am I from my shadow? Oh, but like 3D different. Totally different. Like, you don't look at somebody's shadow and say, hey, man, that's Myron. You don't see people's shadow and say, hey, there's my wife over there. You can't look at somebody's shadow and see the exact replica of who they are. But understand this, y'all, because some of us get too caught up in this thing. This is simply a teaching tool to help out dumb human beings understand a little bit about God's love. You cannot wrap your mind and fathom the depths, Ephesians says, the height and the width, hallelujah, of God's love. That's good news for a sinner out there who, who feels like they've exhausted God's love. You can never exhaust God's love. God's love is inexhaustible. It is infinite. It does not have a beginning. It does not have an end. And I like the way David said it. David said it. His mercy endures forever. Uh, next, next point here, uh, the heavenly sanctuary. The number two, the next sanctuary is the earthly, the earthly sanctuary. It teaches, it, it's where Christ teaches us. Amen. Number three, then there's the human sanctuary or the body sanctuary. The Bible says in first Corinthians three 16, don't you know, hallelujah. Yes, sir. Don't get caught up on this. He, he wants you to get caught up in this temple right here. Don't get caught up in this building. He wants you to get caught up in this right here. See, I know I'm teaching y'all the truth. Y'all didn't want to receive that thing when I first came here. Talking about this, the church ain't no temple. It is not. You, the Bible says. The Bible says. The Bible says. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit does not live in buildings. God's spirit lives in you. Stop turning on and off your acknowledgement, your God consciousness when you walk into a building. You better know that he's with me in the morning. He's with me at noon. He's with me at 11. Hey, his presence is not greater because I came here. The Bible says, "Lo, I'm with you always. Number six, the sanctuary is all about Jesus. Hebrews 4.14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, hallelujah, who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, somebody shout Jesus. Oh, just call on his name, somebody. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Number seven, I got a roll. The sanctuary teaches us that sin is a big deal. 
hey, you know how we are. All those homosexuals and those folks sleeping around. And, oh, oh, they at the club. Oh, my God. Oh, but you a liar. And you proud. Oh, oh, you ain't never slept with nobody, but you thought about it. Oh, Ooh. sin is sin. And it's all a big deal. If you cheated on your taxes, it's no different from you cheating on your wife. It's sin. Took that, it doesn't matter. Whatever the sin is, there might be different consequences, but all of it pulled Jesus down from heaven and, and shed his blood every last sin. Stop. Oh, help me God today. We have got to stop elevating other people's sins and, de- and, and, and denigrating our sins. It doesn't, I don't care who you are. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's a big deal. All of our sins kill Jesus. Come on, Lord. But his mercy endures for... Don't sit up and look at me strange. I said it, it took the same blood for the thief on the cross that it took for my sins. Why am I getting so excited so soon? Well, calm down, boy. Ah, Hebrews 9.22 says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Hallelujah. And without the shedding of blood... Uh, um, uh, number eight, and the last point, and then I got one major point, and we're going to close this thing. Uh, number eight, it teaches us about God's amazing grace. Yes, yes, yes. <sighs> Talk back to me, everybody. It teaches us about what? Grace. Can we sing just a little bit of that? Uh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved. A wretch like me. Now stay right there. What, what was the last part of that song? Huh? A what like what? You don't believe that though. A wretch like them. So, 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 so watch this now. Now, if I can just get just a little heavy for a minute. When one carefully examines context, and Mike, I'm not trying to be deep. I don't do this often, but I feel, Mike, that I got to go here today. There is, there is, one has to be careful on how one interprets the scriptures. When you are interpreting scripture, you must be hermeneutically correct. What I am saying is, is that Context determines text. In other words, hear me now. And see, this is where many of us like to tune out. But if, you, if you're going to understand God's word, you must understand context. Let me, let, me, let me give you an illustration. If you're going to understand people, you need to understand their story. See, many of us, we look at people, we see them now, but we don't know the circumstances. You know what I'm talking about. Hermeneutics simply teaches, I must understand the circumstances. Stay, stay with me, saints. I, I, I gotta, what, what is going on here? Ah, don't, don't just run into the Bible and start pulling out stuff and preaching it. Myron, what is happening here? What would, what would move God? 
so first you have to understand God pulled them out of slavery. Amen. When he pulled them out of slavery, he said, look, their minds are jacked up. I've got to teach them some things. The first thing God did is God pulled Moses up on a mountain. Now, now help me, help me out, saints. The, the, the terrible majesty of God is the Bible says that he set the Mount Sinai on fire. The, the mountain was on fire. And the smoke ascended to the heavens. And God is in the fire. And God is talking. The Bible says that when he is talking, that his initial desire is that he would talk straight to his people. It was not God's desire simply that Moses hear and go back to the people. I just said something right there to somebody. I just said something to somebody right there. I know I did. I know I said something to somebody right there. And so, so what happened was God began to speak and his voice was so powerful. And he said, put, he said, put, put ropes and gates around the mountain. Tell the folk that if they get too close, they will die. But know that I've got something that I've got to tell them. Something I've got to teach them so that they will know how to serve me. And the people of God, after God gave the Ten Commandments, said, no. Let Moses talk for us. His power scares me. His holiness makes me uncomfortable. Moses, you go for us and tell us what God said. Moses is up in the mountain. God gives him the law. God gives him what? Now, now, this is shouting stuff right here. So God is giving him the Ten Commandments, is he not? Laying out the law. And then the law is given in Exodus what? Anybody know? Exodus chapter what? 20. The sanctuary is given in Exodus what? 25. That's five chapters from the law, right? Now, now let me come down here. I got to come real quick. Some some of y'all caught that. God gave them the how-to first. He says, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. But see, because God knew, and, and, and parenthetically, I got to say this, in between God teaching them the law and giving them the blueprint for the sanctuary, the folk got impatient and started worshiping a golden calf. That's right. So, so he knew what he was saying. Look, look, these folk jacked up. These folks is jacked up. They sinners. They, they carnal. I mean, they get, they get aroused by looking at everybody. Husband kings, he can't focus on his own wife. And they get angry over little stuff. They can't wait on anything. And all the sins that they did. And they, and they worship God so easily. He says, I, I must not only tell them what to do, but I must then, this is what the sanctuary is. The Ten Commandments represents God's law. And the sanctuary, God said, come on back up here, Moses. He said, you got to come on back up. He says, because if I just give them my commandments and don't give them a way out, because I know they can't keep them. God would not have given the sanctuary if he knew that the people of God could have kept his law. The sanctuary represents grace. In other words, I know that they will have other gods before me. I know that they will take my name in vain. I know that they will break my Sabbath. I know that they will lie, cheat, and steal. I know that they will murder. I know that they will. I know my people. So I've got to put, oh, thank you, Jesus. I've got to put something in place. 
to help them so that my presence won't kill them. Thank you, Jesus. Do you realize God cannot live with you if there is no sacrifice? Because if God lived with you and there was no sacrifice, all of us would die. This word ought to humble yourself. Humble yourself. Lifting yourself up. Thinking your stuff doesn't stink is the next part. Don't you even try. If God had not put sacrifice, but tabernacle in place, they would have all died in his presence. So he says, I must not only give them law, but I've got to give them grace. Can we praise him for a minute? Is there anybody in here today? That's a rhetorical question. Who is thankful for his grace. Unmerited favor. You didn't do nothing to deserve it. You're not here because you're holy. You're here because he's holy. You're not here because you know it all. You're here because he knows it all. You, got, you didn't pull yourself out of God. Pulled, God pulled you out of your stuff. He says if I give them law, I got to give them grace. Grace, grace, grace. And while I'm up here, and to make his point, while he's giving them grace, they're worshiping a golden calf. I want everyone to listen to me in here. The number one person we ought to be afraid of in these last days is not the devil, politicians, it's yourself. I'm going to preach this with my lifeless hands gripped to my Bible. You need him. You need him. Steps of Christ says the closer we get to Jesus, the more we recognize how much we need him. We have taught our kids that you're holy if you got less problems. Baby, I don't know which what God you're serving because the closer I'm getting to Jesus, the more I'm looking at myself and saying, oh my God, how can I be saved? But the Lord says you can't save yourself for it is by grace through faith that not of your, it's a gift of God lest any man should boast. Now, let me talk. Seventh-day Adventist church is my church. I love it. We have God's message for these last days. But we have messed up the message. We have taught all law, and we have not told people how to get out. There are people in this church right now struggling in sin, and they feel guilty and condemned. But the word of God says there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. We have focused so much on sin that we have made sinners. If you focus more on salvation, then you will make saved folk. All we've heard is we can't do this. We can't do that. We can't go there. We can't say that. We can't wear this. We can't wear that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't have sex. And then when they get married, they don't know what they're doing.
don't get pregnant and don't carouse and don't go to the club and, and don't do that and, and don't and don't and, and don't sing too loud and don't sing too soft and, and don't do that and, and don't go there and stay away from that and, and be careful because if you go, hey, 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 is any of that wrong? No, but can I tell you something? It is the wrong way to make a, a Christian. Christians are not made by law. Christians are made by grace. They kicked your girl Ellen White out of the United States because she was trying to get the knucklehead people in the church to see that salvation was by faith through grace alone. They said, send her butt to Australia. She's causing too much trouble up here. And we're still wrestling with these issues to this day. And I'm going to tell you right now, people do not leave grace. If our churches and our families were more gracious and forgiving, then nobody, who wants to leave family? Who wants to leave love? Who wants to leave mercy? And I know what you're saying. Oh, but this one person there. Okay, there are always exceptions to the rule. But how can we account for losing a whole generation of people? Don't tell me that was grace. That was your misinterpretation of God's law. Keep the Sabbath to you blue in the face. It will not save you. You can eat the right foods all day. It will not save you. Listen, if what you did could save you, then what we're saying is there's no need for Jesus. Can I get a witness in this place today? So let's diagram this thing so you can see how it works. And then I'll make one more last point here. Watch this now. Get ready. Turn over your, your document uh, to the back page. And I want some of you already know this, or you probably filled it out already. God bless you. For those of you who don't and just need to stay awake, come on, say amen. amen. Stay with me here. All right? So, 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 so I've given you some lines to, to fill these things in here. Now, if you understand the diagram, notice what the, the, this series is called The Blueprint. If you under, now, this is very important to our last point. If you understand the diagram, then you will understand what God is trying to do. Amen? So watch this here. This right here, this circumference area is called the outer court. So that should already be filled in for you. The outer court. Now understand this. This is me. Huh? I just got me a new Cleveland, Cleveland Indians hat. I'm going to put that on. Huh? Huh? And I got my sins with me. I'm going to put some on top as well. Now, now, I could not, so I want you to see how this thing worked. That's why y'all need to stop trying to compare this to church. <laughs> this was to teach, teach us, all right? So I could not, I couldn't hang out around here. Huh? I mean, I couldn't, you know, we, we're not having welcome time, you know, in the outer court. I could not hang here in the inner court. And I definitely couldn't go, I would be killed. It wasn't like somebody would come and say, hey, you got no business in there. Come out of there. Come out of there right now. You're not supposed to be in there. Look, there's no need for that. You walk in there, you're going to die. <laughs> They're just going to drag you out. Come on, say amen. <laughs> come out of there. Stop. Freeze. Right where you are. No, no need for that. All right? So couldn't do that. So this is called the, the curtain, right? The entrance or the curtain. Write that down. The curtain. This is how we got in. And how many entrances are there, everybody? And when we get to God, how many, way, how many ways are there? 
And is that way the law? What is that way? It's Jesus. It's Christ. He is the way, the Bible says, the truth and the life. Uh, and so you have the curtain there. And then you have the altar of sacrifice. I'm going to make my point about this today. The altar of what, everybody? Sacrifice. And then uh, right here you have the laver. Laver was basically a, a basin made of bronze where they put water for the priests before they went inside the holy place. Before they went into the holy place, they, they had to wash themselves before they went in or else they would die. <laughs> Not many options back then. <laughs> Obey or die, right? Uh, then we had inside here the table, and you write that down, table of showbread or shoebread, however you want to say it. Hebrew pronunciation is showbread, all right? And, and then uh, this area right here was called the holy place, right? This is the holy place. Inside the holy place, there was altar, also an altar of incense. Prayers would go over this veil into the most holy place. In the most holy place, there was one thing. It was the ark of the covenant, and the most important thing in the ark was not the law, but it was the mercy seat, because that's where God's presence dwelled. Would you say amen? And then we have the candlesticks here, the menorah, whatever you want to call it. The candlesticks were in here. Now, have we missed anything? We got everything, right? Okay, so understand this here. I want you to catch this. Now that you understand that, understand this. According to Leviticus 1, now this is powerful. I almost, I almost lost my mind in my study when I saw this. This is powerful. Uh, I, here I am with all my sins and my junk. Anybody bring any junk in their trunk today? Huh? Huh? It's all kind of stuff. Junk. And, and the Bible says if I had sinned, anyone, and there were five different offerings. Most of them were voluntary. Two were required. Sin and guilt. If you sin, you have to bring an offering. Don't trip. And that's why it's such an affront to God when you sin and you don't confess. You're choosing to die. And, and so, so many of us say, oh, it's easy to confess to God. No, you wronged them. You have fought with them. When, and the Bible is very clear on this. It says when you have not forgiven your brother, God does not forgive you. All right. So, so notice this now. And I did not understand this in this way. Sometimes we think and we talk about how the goal is to get from here in here. Amen. That's what we, we, the goal. I mean, but that, in this system, you weren't going, you, weren't, you weren't going, and I'm just going to make this like this. You weren't going past this. The, oh, as, this is your worship experience started and stopped right here. That's it. And here is the golden gem of the sermon. You then <laughs> had to trust. Now, the title of my message is, is I'll take it from here. Oh, yeah. Scripture says, and, and look, y'all, let me, let me throw this out here. This system was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Stop trying to go back here. 
It was a teaching tool. Can I give you an example? There were there were a whole lot of sins that there was no sacrifice for. If you committed adultery, you were to be killed. You didn't, you didn't want to say, oh, let me get a bullock. <laughs> you would go to the gate and they would say, what have you done? I've committed adultery. Stone him. Stone her. If you operated in witchcraft, you were to be killed. And the Bible says witchcraft is as unto disobedience. There was only, and you got to study this carefully, we think that there was a sacrifice for everything. In this system, there was not a sacrifice for everything. There were some sins that were unforgivable and you were to be killed. And if it wasn't to be killed, then you had to pay a debt. So, you only, I got one point today, and I just hope you just hold on, let me give it to you. Get this. You had one responsibility. The one responsibility you had was to sacrifice. You went here, you brought your sacrifice, you slit its throat, you confessed your sins on it, basically suggesting that you owned your stuff. And then you walked out the same way you came. Sacrifice is another word for surrender or death. Here it is. Here it is. Are y'all with me? In the plan of salvation. Now, this is going to make some folk uncomfortable. Because they feel like, I just got to do something. I got to do something. I got to do something. Pastor, look at them. If you preach too much grace, then they ain't going to feel like they can do whatever they want. Not if you preach grace right. See, let me tell you something. If somebody is in a crack house, and you walking by, and you see them in there getting high, and you walk in there and say, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Look at you. Are you a believer? Aren't you in Sabbath school? Aren't you so-and-so's son? Isn't your daddy a preacher? What? And most of us wouldn't even do that. We would walk by and look at them and then go tell everybody else. Guess where I was today. Well, I wasn't there, but I, as I was on my way home, I saw Johnny come lately in the crack house, the deacon, getting high. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Well, because I, I made a point of it that I took a picture of it. And I, and, I, and I just posted it on Instagram. Here's the video right here. It's on my Facebook page. Let me, this isn't in my sermon, but all you folk that blast people on Facebook and, and social media, oh, come on now. 
I saw him. Oh, you did? Let me call so-and-so. Yep. This me? Saw him at the crack house. You already heard about it? Yeah, I saw your Facebook page. <laughs> the world is coming in the church. How did I get on this? <laughs> and, so, and so what we do is the opposite of what God does. See, a crackhead can get saved just like anybody else. All they got to do, see, understand. You bring your stuff to Jesus. You make a decision to kill it by his power. You confess and own what you've done. And all of this is called sacrifice or surrender. After that, you didn't go to the labor and get washed. You didn't go inside and eat bread and offer prayers and play with the candlesticks and then walk up in the holy place. In this system, you went here and you turned your hips around and you left. And here's the beauty of it. Because this is my thing. I'm trying to figure out. I'm not that trusting. I like to have control. And so do you. All right. My thing is, I would want to be like, okay, now, I know... Johnny Levite. He's a sinner just like I am. How do I know that he gonna handle my sacrifice the way I gave it to him? Because see, after that, the, the sacrifice had to be burned properly on the altar. And, and then we had to also make sure that the priest was right. Because if he wasn't right, that messed up the whole process. And then we had to make sure that he washed. And then we had to make sure that when he washed, that he went here and did his work. And then once a year, we need to make sure that when he went in, he was able to come out without dying. Notice now, this is what I'm saying. In this whole system, it was based on trust. All you could do was surrender, and after you surrendered, you had to trust. Yes, thank you, Jesus. You had to trust the priest. You had to trust that the priest knew what he was doing. You had to trust that the priest was right with God. You had to trust that the priest could make it from the altar and, and from the altar to the labor and from the, the labor to the... You had to, all you could do was surrender and walk. And this is what I'm saying. I want to be very clear. There's only one thing to do in salvation. Surrender. Give it to God. And see, this is the part we don't like. We don't understand then, so don't we got to do something after that? No. You must trust God that he is going to do his work in you. This is hard for us. This is hard. This is some hard stuff to bear. To bear the idea that I don't have to do nothing? No. Surrender. Sacrifice. That's it. And then walk. And so what are you saying, Pastor? Then something's just going to come from heaven and get inside of me and cause me to do it? Yep. 
And that's why the gospel is foolishness. It's supernatural. And one of the things I've discovered is, is we have very few born again Christians who are walking in victory because they don't know how to bring their sacrifice and leave it. They don't know how to surrender. They don't know how to trust. All they know how to do is take their offering, bring it there, not trust the priest, try to run like a linebacker, like a running back through the priest, to the labor, and you're doing everything on your own. We live in the flesh. That's why you can't forgive. That's why you can't submit to leadership. That's why you can't submit to leadership. That's why you can't respect people. That's why you're so unforgiving. Because you're carnal. You have not given that thing to God. I have given it to God. So you, but I, it's impossible. It's impossible to surrender and then God not do what he promised in your life. This system was based on a promise. And let me show you something from Hebrews. And I'm going to close. Let me show you something. There's some stuff I left out, didn't we? We have to go without it later. I'll give it to you next week. They had to trust the priest. Now, can I make this even more complicated real quick? Now, everybody that sinned could not get their sacrifice to the tabernacle whenever they wanted. How do you say that, Pastor? There were 605,550 fighting men in Israel. All right, follow me. 600,000, right? That's men 20 years or older. That's not including women, children, non-fighting men, old men, old women. More than likely, there were over three million people that lived in that camp. Most, that's the city of Cleveland. They say we're like two million, not, not in the city, but the metropolitan area. So check this out now. I want you to picture this. All the tribes, and we don't have time to go into this, all the tribes lived around the sanctuary. The sanctuary was, so, so you can understand it, downtown. People lived. There were so many people that they lived at least nine miles in radius, some people away from it. You got nine miles of distance, some people, five, four. That's a long way to go. You have, listen now, you have millions of people and they sin every day. And I, and I said, Holy Spirit, how could they even get in? You're walking around with your sin. There's a line from here to Jerusalem. And then I was reminded that the priest, you had to trust the priest. I'll take it from here, he said. Every morning and evening, go to Leviticus. Leviticus, uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Do you see how complicated this thing was? Y'all, you're blessed. No, listen to me. Don't sit up there and look. Uh, 
You are, I rebuke that sound system in the name of Jesus. You better You are blessed. You see all the stuff, Terry, that they had to go through just to be able to get forgiven? Oh, don't get distracted on that thing. Oh, the enemy don't want this point to get out. Look, look. They had to fight through a whole city and they may not even be able to get on the schedule. How do I get cleansed? Trust the priest. Look what this says right here. And see, some of y'all think just the sins that they did. Watch this. Leviticus 5 and 17 says, if a person sins and does what is forbidden and any of the Lord's commands, even though he does not know it. Okay, now let, let me clarify something here. This is why we must be patient with people. There is some stuff in your life that is sin. And the Bible goes on to say, let me, let me keep reading. Look, look, look what the Bible goes on to say. The Bible says, if a person sins and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, even though he does not know it, he is guilty. And will be held responsible. Okay, hold, hold on. Hold on, Jesus. I don't even know. I've got this problem. You'll learn this very fast in Christianity. The longer you serve the Lord, the more of yourself you're going to see. You deep, you, you all good now? God ain't even showed you some self stuff about your sorry self. Can you imagine if God showed everything that was wrong with us at one time? So look, they had to offer the priest. There was a morning and evening sacrifice called the burnt offering. And so on that altar, <laughs> we were talking about today, the Bible says that the fire must be kept burning. It says it should never go out. And there was never a time that there was not a sacrifice on the altar. <laughs> Woo! In other words, there was never a time that, that somebody was not dying for the penalty of my sins. I'm covered. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. A sacrifice went up in the morning just in case I didn't know what my problem was. A sacrifice went up in the evening just in case I had not remembered to confess my sins. God says, I've got you covered. He says, I will take it from here. We do not understand how serious sin is. God could not even live. I'm almost finished. God could not even live with them unless there were sacrifices going on all the time. One scholar suggested that in a year, over 50,000 dead animals were slaughtered. And see, we had this picture that the sanctuary was all beautiful. It was beautiful when it first was made. But after that, they had to sprinkle blood everywhere. It was a bloody mess. Blood everywhere. Blood on the walls. Blood on the altar. Blood everywhere. Blood in the labor. Blood. But I don't know about you. If it had not been 
for the blood the shedding of blood thank you Jesus for the sacrifice thank you Jesus for your mercies oh Lord have mercy so here's the last point I need to make here's, here's what and so how was he made righteous even though he could not go in Galatians 2.20 told us. When the sacrifice died, we died. The priest carried the names of the tribes on his ephod. So understand what happened here. We had to trust the priest. When we came, we vicariously went inside the priest. So wherever the priest went, come on. Oh, this is good news today. Jesus is saying, stop trying to deal with your stuff. Surrender it to me and trust me that you will be in me and I will be in you and I will walk out your holiness. I will walk out your righteousness. I'll keep your mouth shut when you want to cuss. I'll keep you from looking when you want to look. I'll keep you from lying when you want to lie. I'll keep you from judging when you want to judge. I'll hold your pride down. I'll keep your ego down. I'll nail your attitude to the world. I will do I got this. I'll take it from here. Go ahead. You see, understand here now. I have just preached the gospel to somebody here today. Some of us have been in the church all our lives and we are not born again. And some of us didn't know how amazing grace was. A few years ago, I believe it was the 96 Olympics. I don't recall the name of the guy. But I believe he was running the 400 meters. They just highlighted this year on the Olympics. And at around 200 meters, after they bolted out of the gates, this brother was from Great Britain. Some of you remember this. Projected to win. With all of his might. And I love how they come around that corner on the 200. And they tuck that head down. And, and, mid, and midway around the curve, they bring that head up. And he's running. It's poetry in motion. And then his leg goes out. Hey, you remember that? His leg went out. And I remember, he, I remember him limping. And then he knew that he could not win. He fell to the ground, tears in his eyes. The other racers were almost near the finish line. There was no way he could win. There was no way he could finish. And he was too busy looking at what others were doing. And he couldn't feel like he measured up to them. But then out of the stands comes his father. His father breaks one man away and moves somebody else out the way. The, the people on the sideline are trying to know what was going on. And he got down there and he, and he grabbed his son and, and he carried him. Yes, he did. He walked that boy to the finish line. That's what your Savior 
does for you every day. He says, I'll take it from here. And because his daddy finished, he finished. Because his daddy made it, he made it. You got to trust the priest. He's up in heaven. He knows what he's doing. Your heads are bowed your eyes are closed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 